A few years ago, I was invited to somebody's new home. This is a couple, um, and I was doing their son's wedding, and uh, they had sold their home and downsized, and it moved into, into the city, uh, just near Loyola University along the lake shore. So it was to see their new home, and it was like to meet the parents of both sides and of the families as well. So I got there, it was a Sunday afternoon, very difficult to get parking, and um, so I went in and eventually went up to their, their condo. It was on the fourth floor, and they were looking out on Lake Michigan, and it was beautiful. And they showed me the photographs of how the condo, condo looked before they renovated it. And then they show, you could see the, the, the modern style that they had. You know, the modern style, the walls are painted gray and there's nothing in it. <laughs> so, uh, so I went in and they started to tell me the story of how they got it and, and who they'd gotten it from. They'd gotten it from um, a Jewish woman who was a little over 100 years old. And she had been in a concentration camp during World War II. And what was remarkable and what they did not touch was something on the front door. And it was like a little brass piece right in the middle of the door. And it told me inside of it was like a miniature scroll. And obviously this woman had put it there when she had arrived in the United States from Germany. And it was the Shema that, um, that the Jewish people recite every morning, and the more devout Jewish people do it three times a day. And it is exactly the, the gospel to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And imagine that she had recited this in a concentration camp in Germany during World War II and the horrors that she had endured and seen. And yet when she came to this country, it was important for her to put this on the front door of her new home. And it, she must have been a woman of great faith to be able to say that the Lord your God is God alone, and you must love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And seeing the horror around her each and every day. She reminds me of a, a, another woman in the Bible, that is um, Hagar. She was the maidservant of Sarah in Genesis 16, and she's getting dreadfully abused, and she runs away. And when she runs away into the desert, she, gets, she sees God, she gets a vision of God. And God says to her that, um, that I will... I will answer your prayers in a special way. Don't be afraid. I will answer. I will be with you. And then she goes back and she says very simply, I have seen the God who sees me. I've seen the God who sees me. And that is something that we all need in our lives. We all need somebody in our lives to show us the beauty of who we are. St. Ignatius, whenever he was beginning his prayer, he would stop and reflect and ponder. And what he would ponder was, 
how God is looking at him, how God sees him. St. Augustine says, Help me, O Lord, to see you, that I may love you. So it's God seeing us. It's what is something that is very proud and very, very beautiful. God looking at us is what all the saints speak about, how God sees us. And the ultimate destination of the spiritual journey is that we see ourselves as God sees us. Look at the stories of, and look at the stories of Jesus in the gospel, especially that woman caught in adultery. All the people are gathered around her, staring at her, holding her in her sinfulness. What is Jesus doing? He's looking at the ground. He's playing with the sand, just writing something in the sand. When they leave, he then looks up. And when he looks up, he speaks to her, he says, my child, has no one condemned you? So what we have to remember, and this is very profound, that when God looks at us, yes, he sees what is beautiful in us, but he also sees what is not beautiful, our faults, our failings, our crazy dreams, our angers, our resentments. God sees everything. But in that gaze, it is still a gaze of love. It is a gaze of acceptance, a gaze of non-judgment, a gaze of peace, a gaze of beautiful love. And that is the, that is the, the treasure of, the, of the, this twofold commandment reminding us of the God that we worship and that we should live in loving communion. That is what it means with all our heart and our soul and all our might, to live in loving communion with this God of Jesus Christ. The second aspect of the twofold uh, commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there are many different interpretations of this. But the one that I think comes closest to it is the one that, uh, an, an interpretation of it, that what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. At the end of that passage that Jesus is quoting in Leviticus, is what he is speaking about is saying to the people that loving your neighbor is making sure you don't oppress the most vulnerable people in, in of the Jewish faith, that you don't oppress the weak and the vulnerable. And that's what he's getting at there. That is what love is, that the people who are most vulnerable, um, the people who are most oppressed, are not treated in a very bad way. So it is, um, it is looking at, look, that is what that love that Jesus is speaking about. And that is what, that is why Jesus says you are not far from the kingdom of God. Because being not far is he's getting the first one right. But until you do something for those who are oppressed, you cannot say that you're fully embracing the greatest commandment of loving God and loving our neighbor. 
Today, as you all know, there is great talk about climate change, climate emergency going on in the world, and they're meeting in Glasgow, uh, in Scotland, to discuss what climate change and the havoc it is reaping on the world. What we have to remind ourselves is 90% of the world's refugees come from places where there is already a climate disaster. I've seen firsthand people sowing crops, and this is all they have to live on with their children, year in and year out, subsistence farmers. And when there is a drought and there is no water, then they are in great trouble. And they reckon there are at least 20 million people who are refugees from in the world because of climate change. It is something that we don't experience directly here, because if you have food, you can go to Costco and you can come back. But in many places of the world, you don't have the luxury of doing that. So loving our God and our neighbor is meaning, meaning that we have a concern for what is happening in the world and have a concern for what is happening uh, to the most vulnerable people in the world. St. Teresa of Avila, a doctor of the church, made a doctor of the church by Pope Benedict. Uh, oh no, she was made a doctor of the church, different woman, Benedict did. But um, she said that how we care for each other is more a sign of God's presence than the heights of mystical prayer. And that is what Jesus is saying. You can get the message about God's love, but you will be far from it if you do not put it into practice in caring for the last, the least, and the lowly in society.